I'm Paul Hamill and you're listening to the Grassroots Coach Podcast, a podcast for grassroots soccer enthusiasts. A kid leaves my review at 12 and plays under 13 for Galway United. At, four, at 13 he's released, so he has to go back to Merview to try and get a game. So the, the coach in Merview might have lost um, five or six of, of his squad. So he's managed now to get a squad together and he's, they're doing all right. And there's two or three kids right back and said, we want to play now. And he said, well, am I going to get rid of those kids? That, and I don't, think I, I don't know whether I'm going to have you next year. So there's huge gaps. In this episode, I speak with Carlos Shocknessy, Paul Smith, and former coach, educator, and Galway United manager, Tony Mannion, where we discuss player development in Ireland. Tony, welcome to the show. I, I always knew you managed in League of Ireland or Galway, but I always assumed you played at that level. Was it unusual for somebody to manage at that level who hadn't really? Yeah, most playing pedigree. Most unusual, actually. Yeah. Um, I remember um, shortly after I'd, I had I'd been in a job about a year, Brian got the Pats job. I remember an interview with Brian um, on radio. Brian was saying that Brian Kerr, you know, Brian Kerr, yeah, Brian Kerr, and he mm. was saying, you know, I, have, I haven't played, I haven't played, I never played League of Ireland, yeah, uh, just like just like the manager in Galway, yeah, and I was saying, I, hang on, Brian, I played a couple of games, <laughs> but but uh, myself and Brian would have been, yeah, would have been the exception. I have a quick question for you. I, I, I want to jump in on, um, and, and apologies for hijacking here. But, no, um, no, no, it's great. I, I, because I'm a little bit younger than, than, than some of the, our, our other participants, I, I never really saw the Tony Mannion team in action. But I remember when I worked in the FEI and I met a lot of people, they'd say to me, your man, Tony Mannion, his teams, they were aggressive. He was, a, he was nuts on the sideline. And, and I think it's important just to, to frame a little bit your managerial style because you've got to go on and talk about your coaching and, and coaching younger kids. But how would you describe, you know, those years when you were a manager? What was your style like? We had a belief that um, you, 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 you train like you play. So our training session, so if people thought that the Galway were tough and it was, it was difficult um, and, the, and the matches, you want to see the training. I don't think a training session ever ended without without punches being thrown or fights. And my brother, who had a, who had a reputation of being um, difficult um, and competitive, and Eamon DC was likewise. And it, when the two of them were on the opposite sides, it was just, you know, so we always believed that you had to be competitive. Like one of the, the principles of, so our, our, our view was at the time that, you know, you, you have to go out and play, right? So you have to get down, you have to pass it, you have to do all the things. We have to earn that right. And if you don't earn that right to play, because there's, there's 11 other guys out there that their job is to stop you playing. So uh, you had to be competitive. And remember at that time, the league was a competitive league. You know, you, you, you were coming in the end of the, you know, that Cork Hibbs uh, era was, 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 had come to an end. They had set a standard. You had Rovers, who had an absolutely fantastic side. You know, at that time, the four in a row team, that was the best team that this country has ever seen by a long shot. But, you know, you had to go out and compete and you had to set a standard. So we, we were competitive by nature. And that was, so then at, at that, I always took the view that 
people tend to look at you. So, you know, when you see the manager, when things are going wrong, you know, he sits down, mm-hmm. he sits into the dugout and he's, you know, I just can see the second one. You know, I always felt that you had to be on the front foot. You had to be saying, I'm going to, you know, if I'm, I'm going to be competitive, I'm going to challenge the referee. I'm going to challenge the decisions. I'm going to make demands on, on people. And, you know, guys are saying, oh, like, I remember, I didn't know this, uh, Carl, and you, you talk to people afterwards and, and they bring things up. But I remember Johnny Mack saying to him that Ricky O'Flaherty, who ended up signing for Pats, uh, Galwilad, fabulous player, but didn't have a great work ethic, but he had ability to burn. Big, strong lad, great near, score goals, technically very good. And I remember uh, Johnny said, uh, talking one night, we were, we were sitting around having a chat, and Johnny said he'd done him one in the game, went over the top of him, and big gash, gashed his shin. And Johnny was feeling sorry for me, saying, go off, go off, you're injured. And uh, Ricky was saying, I can't, he didn't kill me. We do want to move on to uh, this uh, issue around the National League, I think particularly at under 13 and under 15 level. I know Tony has uh, strong opinions on this. And Tony, we'd like to ask you, you know, what impact the, the National League is having on uh, grassroots football uh, at the moment? Oh, it's having a serious impact, uh, massive impact. We, up to recently, we were hemorrhaging players at 15. So 15, 16 was the big fall off. It's now down to 13 and it's getting lower. So we're losing players. We've turned our development. So go, go back to who we are or who we're talking about. We're talking about the Football Association of Ireland, EFAI. And in any organization, if you were doing an interview for Apple or for Google or for some of those, and you, you were going in, you'd, you'd research the company, you'd see what their, what their beliefs and values are, what they stand for, uh, how they're organized, how they're structured. And you'd look, you'd look them up and you'd look at their mission and, and vision statement. And we have, our, our uh, mission statement is to promote, develop and foster the game of association football in Ireland. That's what we're, as, as an association, what we're tasked to do, our beliefs are. And we're doing the opposite. So we have taken a model, right? So through the years, we've, had been, we've been fairly successful in getting people to play the game because it is the most popular game in the world. And it is, it's, it's a very easy game to organize, to understand. Um, and you can play it. You can play a 1v1 or you can play 11v11 or, and you can play in any, in any environment. So it's, it's an easy game to understand and an easy game to play. But what we've done and what our current um, high-performance director has done, he's taken a model, the, the Dutch model, and he has superimposed it on the League of Ireland. Now, he said we want to have an academy structure where the best players play. Define an academy. Like the, the League of Ireland clubs, to be fair to them, and, and I, I'm, I'm not anti League of Ireland clubs. I, as we spoke earlier, I spent most of my life, uh, nearly all my life, involved in League of Ireland clubs. So when I talk about schoolboy football, some people look at me and say, well, you know, what's, what's your angle here? But we haven't a professional league here that's no, that will be comparable with what's happening on, in other countries. So we're now putting an academy structure into clubs that don't have the finance, they don't have the facilities, they don't have the knowledge or the expertise or the interest. And that's, that's, that's firstly, is a mistake. But secondly, you say, well, uh, what's the academy look like? 
well, you come in at 13, you leave at 14, you come back at 15, you leave at 16, you come back at 17, you leave at 18, you come back at 19. If, no, do you accept? So huge gaps in it. And then you, see, you said that the, the players that are being recruited at 12. So look at how those players, the gaps that are there. So you're looking at development phases. You know, you're looking at the early developers, you look at the, the weaker players. They're all being discarded. So we're discriminating against players. So there's huge issues. Take what we're doing to clubs. League of Ireland clubs are recruiting coaches. So they're recruiting coaches from other clubs. And they will look around and say, who has the best squad? So is it Ragiars Rovers? And Paul is the coach there. So we'll take Paul from the under-12 squad and he'll bring six or seven of his best players. And you find then that that team is gone. So the club then have lost the whole team because the lads give up and they go play in other sports. So what, how can you or anyone stand back and look at this logically and say, hey guys, this makes sense. This is, this is a good development model. Could you explain to me the, if you could take me through the scenario of a League of Ireland club that has a, that's linked up with a feeder club um, how that would work for a 12-year-old, 13-year-old at under 13 level, and then maybe describe it how what you're saying there in terms of, um, you know, a whole team maybe being taken from another club. So just just take me through the feeder club scenario. Well, you, you, so so that, that, that's that, that's to cover the license. So the the, the, the League of Ireland clubs have have uh, brought on other clubs as as feeder clubs to them, but they have to play under their banner. So the, the club that goes in to, to, to support Bowes, uh, they, they play as Bohemians at, at under... But you only can select uh, 20 players out of that. Mm. So the ones that are left then, so the, the ones... So we're, we're now making... So Bowes, they, just take Bowes as an example. So they're linked to St. Kevin's, is it? Or? Yeah, yeah, Kevin's. Okay. Yeah. So let's say Bohemians are at under 13 level. They are playing as Bohemians at, yeah. So the St. Kevin's under what was their their top under thirteen team become Bohemians under thirteen team. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But but they 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 would they would be um, they would be better equipped now. But so if you look at that, they might recruit some players from Kevin's and they might recruit some players from Belvedere or some players. So they they bring a, a group of players together. There's a better player. There's two better players. So the players then that are, are being at, at 12 years of age being told, well, you're not selected, you're a failure, you're not good enough. So we're, we're now selecting players to win mm. at 12, right? And we're discarding all the rest of them. But Tony, so, when they, just again, because I don't know much about this, so when they finish the under 13 league in that, that season, where do they go then? Because the next level up is under 15. Well, they go back to their schoolboy club. Okay. So that that would be Kevin. So they go back to they go into Kevin's at, at fourteen. Right. But, but you take you take Galway, Kilkenny, Cove, people like that who wouldn't have a structure. So they'd have a team. So you, you take Galway. A kid leaves Merview at twelve and plays under thirteen for Galway United. At four at thirteen he's released. So he has to go back to Merview to try and get a game. So the, the coach in Merview might have lost um, five or six of, of his squad. So he's managed now to get a squad together yeah. and he's, they're doing all right. And this 
two or three kids were back and said, we want to play now. And he said, well, am I going to get rid of those kids that, and I don't think, I, I don't know whether I'm going to have you next year. So there's huge gaps. But you, so to try and make the, the transition from 13 to 15, from 15 to 17, big transition. So the ones that can go back and play, and so how do they get back into squads? Like the, 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 the SFAI wanted to bring in a rule before Christmas. Now it didn't, wasn't passed. They wanted to say that anyone that had played with the National League on the 13 weren't allowed to play in the Kennedy Cup. And there was, there was uproar over that. So we are creating all sorts of problems for kids. We're creating all sorts of problems for parents. We've turned it into an elitist organization. See, where, I, where I came across this to, to start it, and I would have mentioned it to Paul Smith, was that um, my young lad is playing under 13 and Belvedere isn't far from us. And I remember a couple of years ago, I went down and I, I looked at the Belvedere team at his age group, probably under 11 or something. And this year I said, sure, I'll have a look again to see where Belvedere under 13s are at. <laughs> and I went through all the DDSL tables because I, I assumed Belvedere would be in the DDSL. And then when I didn't find their under, under 13 team, after going from A all the way down to E, I then said, well, maybe they're in the, the NDSL. So I had a look in there uh, and then realized when Paul told me they don't have a team at all. So Belvedere under 13, there's no team. And that's, uh, that's but, where I first yeah. came, came across it. And, and, and so, so you, you, you look at that. So you see, how is that? So if, if, you, if you presume, now, if you look at, so do a proper analysis of, of football. So we're, we're part of the football family. So it's not about schoolboy. It's not about coach education. It's not about the ladies. It's about the game. And it's about promoting the game to what our mission statement is and what our um, values are. We're about promoting the game. But you look at the League of Ireland and say, where do the League of Ireland clubs train? And very few of them have their own training facilities. So now they had struggled to have a training facility for one team. Now they have to have training facilities for five teams. They're struggling to have the finance to keep one team on the road. Now they have to keep five teams on the road. So if they, some of the clubs get their act together and they say, well, we can get this facility, we can get these coaches, and we can work this at under 13. There's no league at under 14. So if, if you had to leave or if you were let go on that, and where do you go after that? Or... Where do you continue playing? So if Kevin's are playing in the DDSL and now it has become devalued and the standards lowered. So you're under 30 now is going into the DDSL, which is a lower league, lower standard, <coughs> right? Poor training facilities. And you then have to step back up again. It's totally disjointed and totally ill-founded in my, in my view. And what... so. Uh, what, what's what's the answer to it? Uh, there's there, there's there's a lot of questions to be asked first. But if you were so, I put my League of Ireland hat on me now. And if I was a League of Ireland manager, and I've spoken to the League of Ireland managers about this, and John Caulfield came out and was very strong about this. But John is saying Caulfield, and I'd be agree with him. When I was involved with Galway United, we had a team playing the Common Senior League. Our reserve team played in the Common Senior League. That's all I was interested in. That's where. I was going. To, I wasn't going to get players from the 17s or 15s to play in the League of Ireland. I wanted to play, but 
we're looking at the stats now and at the number of players at 19 that are being released that have nowhere to go. The pathway is not there. So the, the model that we have for League of Ireland is wrong. So we need something at 21, 23 for League of Ireland to improve that standard because that's part of our responsibility. We, I, I don't want to talk about schoolboy football in isolation. I want to talk about football and what's best, best for the League of Ireland is that they have a proper structure. So a manager is looking at the, at the under-19s. They're not, they're not prepared. They're not ready to step up. So what does he do with them? We let them all go. And we're building for next year. I'm building for next year. And then when next year comes at 19, they're all being released. Very few of them making the grade. So it's, it's, it's all wrong from, from top to bottom. Are any of you able to maybe put a bit of context as, you know, for the general fan out there who's maybe interested in, in Irish football, what does this mean long-term? What's the long-term damage of doing something like this to the development of the game? We know the short-term damage. We're going to potentially lose teams. You know, players are going to move and have to go places. But, but long-term, I know, I know we don't have a crystal ball, but where do we think those issues maybe are? You look at it, Carl, the biggest fear for me is, um, and Tony might maybe take uh, the elite end of it, as in the, sorry, when I say elite, I mean the players moving in maybe to League of Ireland at 15s and into 17s. But the, to, to the detriment, and I still probably have to go back, Carl, and say, you know, it is the loss of the player to the game. Because the player to the game if they go and play another sport, and by the way, Jesus, if they go and play another sport because we couldn't cater for them, I'm thrilled with that, by the way, too, because it means there's a kid still involved in sport, okay? Uh, that's not just hanging around the street corner. So that's important to say in there as well. Um, and if there is a, our product just needs to get better and it needs to be there for more people and it needs to be inclusive rather than exclusive. But for me, uh, Carl, I just see that if people walk away from the game of soccer, uh, we're losing um, because of what we're trying to do. Uh, and I would say on that, what I would say on when I say losing, if they leave our game, remember, that's the player that could keep, they're the players that keep teams together, that keeps, keeps clubs together, that keeps communities together, uh, that is the coach of the future, that encourages their kids to stay in that club. So again, it's, it's history repeating itself and it's a historical relationship then you have with your community and your club. And the other thing I'd say is your retainment phase as well, and that is, that could be the chairman, the treasurer of the club going forward as well. So there's a big, for me, that's what it's about. Uh, I know Tony, uh, with dealing with League of Ireland and different things, he, he would probably look at players coming in uh, to play for him on teams and, and the elite coaches and as a pro-licensed person, you would have probably another view on trying to keep those players in, in the loop as well. Our, our core business is getting people playing the game and keeping playing. So it's recruitment and retention is what, what we, we want to look at. And th those people are the future internationals, the future League of Ireland players, the future junior players, future supporters, referees, coaches. So all of those, once you get a, a passion and a love for the game, so we have to try and, and, and bring people in to introduce them to the game. Now, after a while, they may drift off and play something else. But that's, that's our primary role. But what we've, what we've gone away from, right, that sport should be, our sport should be child-centred. It should be about developing the child. Because picking a player at 12 to say out of 40 or 140 that they're the 20 best, right, and we're rejecting the others. We're telling players at 12 that they're not good enough. 
like we're not allowing for for development we're not allowing allowing for uh, for uh, late developers we're discriminating against a huge portion of of the players right the structure that we have must meet the needs of the kids rather than the kids meeting the needs of the structure that's what we have here at the moment right and we we need to be careful in this that kids are not the property of the parents or the coaches right kids have rights and 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 we need to, we need to address that and, and treat them treat them like that and when you think about the, the the time and the effort and the passion the kids have for the game right they devote their their, their hearts and souls to it when you have a kid who loves playing football, who loves going training, right? He mightn't be great, but he deserves reasonable and knowledgeable leaders. Come here, everything you say, Tony, I, it's, that's, that's, what we're, that's what's happening here. What Home Farm and Belvedere and St. Kevin's and all the clubs and, and Salt Hill and Merview, what these type of clubs, and, and by the way, all the schoolboy clubs around the country as well, what they do day in, day out for many, many years you know, in fairness, there's a lot of clubs, uh, you know, tipping along. They get their small grants and different things. But, and until these people get around the table, listen to people like Tony Mannion, Brian Kerr, and, and, and a multitude of Vincent Butler and these people. These people are the people that brought success. Like, Brian Kerr was uh, tossed on the scrap heap uh, by the Football Association of Ireland. And he was the most successful underage manager uh, and Noel O'Reilly was the, was the most successful underage coach we have ever had. And I think I, think I heard a story, was it about Gerard Houllier? When Gerard Houllier finished up his time in England and different things like that, the first place he was back in was the French Federation. Back in the system, talking to the youth managers, talking to the youth players coming through. Why? Because he had that experience. He, he, was, he was brought back into the system. We discarded. I thought one of the most one of the proudest moments for me in Irish sport was when Brian Kerr was the soccer manager and Eddie O'Sullivan was the rugby manager. Yeah, two grassroots people that hung nets, that marked pitches. Well, uh, Eddie probably didn't hang too many nets on rugby goals, uh, but I'm sure he marked pitches, put flags out, tackle bags out for training, pads on the posts, and we had for once two people that actually came through our system and what we were doing. And to flick back on the Dutch system, and Tony, absolutely ludicrous, how you could bring a professional academy, sorry, to want to try and uh, introduce a professional academy uh, scenario into Irish soccer is beyond belief. Because to go back uh, to your comments about when you managed in the League of Ireland, and it was so competitive in all the games, and you mentioned the two teams down in Cork, you mentioned about the great Shamrock Rovers team. There was Bowes team at Lone. There was strong football in the league. You look at it, our league now, even our uh, our Premier uh, League of Ireland, and there's, after the top four or five, you know, it's the rest. Uh, so the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. But really and truly, and that's why I do agree, it has to be a root and branch change, to be honest, because... Uh, succession is all the way through into your under 21s, under 23s so even though we're talking about underage I think it's absolutely daft that the actual football association come in and do what they did to the SFAI and the SFAI by the looks of it, let it happen um, with, with no recourse, so I do think we will have to lobby uh, because a club like Home Farm and myself in the position I'm in, um, I would like answers because there are questions and I'll tell you one thing what Home Farm, 
what Belvedere, what the Mayor views, what the teams around Cork, Galway, Midlands, wherever they are, have done for Irish soccer. Uh, you know, it was no coincidence, guys, by the way, that, you know, some really, really good talent came out of the clubs I've just mentioned uh, to keep Irish football afloat. Uh, we have the Irish Messi and Wes Hoolahan came out of Belvedere. Um, you know, he didn't, he didn't need uh, the pretense of a Dutch, a professional Dutch league academy. He came through a system uh, in, in, in a club like Belvedere that had bloody good coaches who were well-planned, well-organised and could implement training sessions for their players' needs. And they catered for all. There's one, one club probably down the road, our near neighbours um, in, in uh, St. Kevin's obviously have linked in with Bohemians. So that makes it difficult for a home farm and clubs in the area as well. Because uh, we, I suppose, are still, you know, the, the great thing about it is we've a team at every age group. And in some age groups, we have two teams. Uh, so, and, and some of them are community football teams, the second team or whatever. And that's brilliant because at least you're, you're sort of an inclusive club rather than an exclusive club. Um, but you can, in, in fairness to the lads up the road in St. Kevin's, they link them with Bohemians. And fair play, if that works for them, that's, that's, that's very good. But then I actually was looking at our website when I went into Home Farm and I saw uh, dropping the United FC uh, just on the bottom of the screen. And actually said to a couple of lads, I said, um, why is Drogheda United on our screen? Oh, um, we, we, sort of have a, we, we sort of have an agreement uh, uh, with them. And I said, what's the agreement? Well, um, we, we sort of, uh, are the young lads? I said, what young lads? Oh, well, the 13s and 15s, we sort of, we, got, we send them there. So, Home Farm Football Club, sending, sending players of 12, 13 years of age to Drogheda United. Now, Drogheda United obviously needed players because uh, obviously they didn't maybe have enough around their own uh, Drogheda leagues to make it uh, into a better team, so they needed an influx. So, so home farm players were actually, excuse the pun, being farmed to Drogheda. And you're going, and then as Tony said, they come back then the following. Now, by the way, that Drogheda thing is gone, thank God, uh, because uh, that, that's just not a workable thing to send 12 and 13-year-olds into a different county, let alone to the club up the road, but to a different county. Just beggar's belief. And the other thing about it is, is uh, there's other... This is the funny thing as well, um, and you guys might know the, 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 the numbers on this, but I do believe there is a distance limit on players travelling uh, also. Uh, and I'm sure 12-year-olds travelling, uh, you know, around the country following a dream at that, at that age is absolutely, it's probably being flouted and we don't even hear about it and it's not policed. Uh, so we don't know how far some kids are traveling to attain what they're trying to attain. But I do remember as well, another club in North County, Dublin, and the director of football, and you'd, you'd all know the person actually, it'll remain nameless club and person. But he's saying to me as well, um, Dundalk took five of me players this year. And he said, there's five players here though by the time these other five come back the following year, he said, I have five players that will actually be better than the five that went. He says, there's no place for that five that are coming back, Paul, next year in this club, unless they want to play with, be it an A team or a B team or a, or a, a Prem 1 team or whatever, because he had the Premier team. So then when those players come back to the club, it's as Tony, Tony's the manager. Hey, Tony, we're all back. The five is our back. We had, geez, we had a great time in Dundalk. Uh, we're back to you now. And Tony's gone, I'm really sorry. My squad's full. You can tip down here. Those clubs are local, uh, uh, local to that club. 
And then all of a sudden, you find that the five lads that come back, there's no place in the Premier team. They don't want to play in the Premier One or, or, or below. The Grassroots Coach, a community of sharing and learning for grassroots soccer coaches.